Welcome back to the Straight Up Sports Talk Podcast Thanksgiving Week Edition. Sam, it's hard to believe Thanksgiving's already here. What? We'll start off this podcast with a little non-sports conversation. What is your most favorite food, your favoritest, most favorite food to eat at Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving Day, meal, you sit down, what is your go-to favorite food item on the table? Um, I'm not, I'm not a big turkey guy. Just never have. See, now that I was, I was thinking about that on the way here. I was thinking, I was, and I was going to tell you this. I bet Sam's not a big turkey guy. Yeah, not ham guy all the yeah, way. He's a ham guy. Okay, ham he's one of those weirdos. I'm not one of those weird. <laughs> yeah, turkey's just dry. It's just, eh, it's whatever. That's why you got to eat the dark meat turkey. That's it's, where it's at. I'm a dark meat turkey kind of guy. Turkey's overrated, but anyway, that's that's not the hot take I'm I'm trying to get off. But uh, cor, uh, corn uh, corn casserole for me, classic. It's easy, simple. It, it fills you up. It gives you what you need. It's it's good. I've never had a terrible corn casserole. Can never say I have. My mom always makes uh, some of the best, so yeah, I'm rolling with corn casserole. I'm with you there. I I like corn casserole. Probably my favorite dish on the Thanksgiving t- Day table is cranberry salad. It's got the cranberries with the marshmallows on top. That's that hits a spot for me. It's either that or corn casserole. Honestly, it's kind of a tie there for first. But Sam, I wanted to ask you. So my girlfriend calls corn casserole corn pudding. Nope. It's casserole, right? Yeah, it's casserole. It's nope. It's there's no there's no pudding about it. Right. It's not when you think of pudding, it's it's like I don't know. It's just not the same thing. No, it's not in the same category, and it it comes in a casserole pan. Yeah, casseroles come in a pan. Pudding comes in like a bowl. Yeah, you know, like, um, you know, just like vanilla pudding or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just weird people, I guess. Yeah. What are they gonna do? Anyways, that's that's our Thanksgiving conversation. Uh, you can let us know straight up sports talk on Twitter what you like enjoying at Thanksgiving. We're gonna enjoy three football games, uh, but let's overreact to the weekend in sports. And we'll start this week. We've pretty much started every week with with IU football conversation. That's where we're gonna start today. They lost to Ohio State, but they only lost by seven. And honestly, Sam, this team looked very very impressive in that second half against against the Buckeyes. I, I think not only that, I think it proves to the te- to the job that just like this IU team has done this season, I think the hype wasn't over. It, they weren't overhyped by any means. I don't think that anybody expected them to do the job that they did. The sports makers had them at like 20-point underdogs, came in, did their thing, unfortunately couldn't get it done. I didn't even have to jinx it for it to happen. But the point remains is I think this IU team – just delivered up to expectations. Hopefully they don't now that they're kind of, I would say college football playoff aspirations are just kind of dead at this point. Let's be honest with the teams above them in their schedule and whatnot, that they don't just like lose track and just like give up because they still got air. They've still got Maryland. They've still got Wisconsin. They still got Purdue. This season has been something to be proud about. If you're an IU football like player and a fan, both and I think you should just continue to build on that towards the future. For sure. I don't think they're going to lose track because I don't think college football playoff, it's always every team's goal. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it, was, it, was, it wasn't It was one of those forefront goals. The forefront goal was to win the Big Ten, and the rest will take care of itself. And that is still possible. I mean, Ohio State could slip up. You know, it is 2020 after all. They could slip up in these next three weeks. Most likely won't happen, but they could. 
So I think IU is going to come out. They're going to be ready for Maryland. They get back home. Uh, they've been on the road for two straight. They're, they're in Bloomington. I think they're going to uh, to get it done this weekend against Maryland. Um, and I don't think they're going to lose focus the rest of the season. I think Ohio State will be their last loss of the season. Wisconsin's going to be a tough one. But I, I told you on Saturday, Sam, after the loss, um, I still think IU is the second-best team in the Big Ten. I thought they were the second-best team going in to Ohio State. I think they're still the second-best team after the loss because I don't think another team will play Ohio State in a seven-point game unless it's in the national championship. I don't know. We'll have to see because if Northwestern wins out, they'll get a chance to play uh, Ohio State in that. Uh, I, I saw I was looking at Ohio State's remaining schedule. Uh, here, let me pull it up real fast. It was Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan. So assuming Ohio State gets the job done, which I think we can both agree they probably will like 99% of the time. You got Northwestern playing Michigan State, Minnesota, and Illinois. It looks to be Northwestern at Ohio State. Northwestern's looking really good. I don't know what Peyton Ramsey and Pat Fitzgerald has done to that team, but they've totally revamped this team to believe in. They've had a bunch of close games. I understand that. But Northwestern shouldn't be slept on by any means. No, they definitely shouldn't. I'm not saying that they should, but I just still think I use uh, better than Northwestern. And they'll get their chance to, to prove that against Wisconsin just because Wisconsin lost to, to Northwestern. Uh, I, I was slightly disappointed in Wisconsin. I thought they could get it done against Northwestern. Apparently not. Uh, but, yeah, the Big Ten kind of shaking out a little different than we thought. Not necessarily the Big Ten East, but sort of different in the Big Ten West. Yeah, Big Ten West is really odd. When you look at I don't think anybody expects anything less than Nebraska to finish last, but just to have Iowa third and then Wisconsin second and Northwestern first is just a weird order to me. Minnesota has been struggling at times. Illinois is struggling as usual. But Big Ten West is just all sorts of just messed up this season. Big Ten East, same way, have Penn State 0-5 this season. Like, that's just wild to me. You have Michigan 2-3 and on the season. Uh, Michigan State 1-3 and on the season. This this is just a season to forget for a lot of teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and, you know, it could be, you know, the shorter season, um, not having those non-conference games to get the kinks figured out. And then you just kind of, you know, it's been snowballing on some of these teams like the Michigans and, and like the Penn State's. To where they just can't get it figured out, and that's where maybe some of those cupcake easy wins against group of five opponents in the preseason kind of help you out here later on in the season. But they didn't have that; it was right in day one uh, with Big Ten play, and um, you know that that hurts some teams, in, in my opinion. When you look around the college football landscape, there's a, there was a lot that happened this weekend. Clemson, Florida State got canceled literally at the last second. Um, because medical officials couldn't agree to play, Florida State had a pl- or Clemson had a player test positive like on Friday, and they said, you know, there's too many people in close contact, we're not going to play. Um, so, th- so that game doesn't happen, and um, kind of restarts this whole conversation about COVID. I mean, there was close to 20 games being canceled this weekend um, due to COVID-19. So, uh, do you think that? And this is very realistic and possible. Do you think that the college football will go to a bubble format for the playoffs? And, and since you you play, um, you get there, you play your semifinal, then you stay there until the national championship game? 
I, I'm honestly not sure. I mean, it would seem smart, but again, I'm not sure what their plan exactly is. I don't know if they've released a plan or whatnot. I know the, the college football player released a Q&A on the rankings. I don't think they have that, that really figured out that time because we still got, I think, a month left until the actual um, deciding who gets in and whatnot. So I, I think it would be smart to do a bubble, but at the same time, you have different locations, and it's just like you. So, like I, I believe it's the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, maybe, and then they meet at where the national championship is. So, I don't know how feasible that is, and I'm not sure the time frame that they're exactly working with. Like, say you get you get done with both national championship semifinals, how long do you have to play the national championship exactly? So, that all has to be worked out. Travel plans. If someone gets COVID on the, on the flight, it's 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 just. Uh, I think they're just trying to figure it out at this point. They are uh, college basketball could be going to a bubble for their playoffs. The NBA could be doing the same thing. It's going to be interesting to see where this all shakes out. Uh, but you mentioned the college football playoff. We still got about a month before we know who gets in. But tomorrow is the first ranking show on Tuesday the twenty fourth, where the committee will release their top four for the college football playoff. Where do you see this going? I think we, we have some some shoe-in for sure teams, the Notre Dame's, Clemson's, Alabama's. You know, Ohio State will probably be in there as number four. But on that outside looking in, how will the committee handle teams like BYU, Cincinnati, teams that are un, undefeated but, you know, not necessarily Power 5 programs? I think it's going to be tough. Like, if it was the UCF from a while ago when they had a legitimate shot, I think they would have, like, a better shot than these teams. When I'm looking at BYU's schedule, it just nothing strikes off to me as a solid win for me. Boise State, they have, like, 30-some positives that game. Texas State, UTSA. And then when you look at Cincinnati, it's really the same way. They don't really have that that many quality wins to be put in. Besides, um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm looking at Cincinnati's beating Memphis, East Carolina, uh, UCF, Houston. Well, when you look at a team like Florida, they've actually had to go, go through a rough stretch where they've played Arkansas. Uh, Missouri, they beat a 13th-ranked Georgia. They beat a Vanderbilt. You you see Alabama's dominance. Notre Dame beat Clemson. Ohio State's beat Indiana. So I just don't know how likely it is for Cincinnati and BYU unless some of these teams suffer one, if not two, losses to get in. Will Clemson be in? Uh, they're a one-loss team. They lost to Notre Dame. Are they going to put them in, or are they going to change things up and throw a BYU in there because – yeah, BYU does have impressive wins, but they have rolled everybody. They look very good. What is the committee going to be willing to do here? A one-loss Clemson team who's played a pretty—I mean—a pretty tough schedule. Uh, you know, Notre Dame obviously being the biggest game. Are they going to put them in? Are they going to put an undefeated BYU team in? I think you put a, a you put a win-loss Clemson team. The College Football Committee has never respected Power Five teams. It's just the way it is. Well, unless you have the miraculous season back in the BCS of the Kellen uh, Moore's of the Boise State days. Other than that, 
they they really don't respect Power Five teams like that. And, and I'm looking at the AP Top 25. They have BYU at eight and seven. So even if you don't have a let's say Clemson, you still have Texas A&M, according to the Associated Press, and Florida between them. So even if you don't put Clemson in there. It's going to be really hard when Florida has a chance to make the SEC championship game and play Alabama. And if Alabama loses that game, do you kick them out still? I mean, that's I, – I think I think you have a small glimmer of hope if you're Cincinnati and BYU, but it's gonna, you're going to need some losses from here on well, out. Well, what hurts BYU is the fact that you don't play again until December 12th. Mm-hmm. So you don't play – you play San Diego State on December 12th. That's your last game. You don't have a conference championship – um, and you really only have one game left, so you're going to have ten games. I, I, you know, like you said, I don't think BYU will get in. I would like to see them get in, but I just don't think they're going to um, have the resume that other teams like a Clemson, like a Florida does. But it'll be interesting to see where the college football uh, rankings come out when they do come out on Tuesday. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, like even with the Cincinnati thing, you I, I think the American Athletic Conference does a um, championship. I could be wrong. Yep. But really, does a win against Tulsa really mean anything in the eyes of um, the committee? Because in my eyes, it does. But when you it – just, it just doesn't the way the system is, how flawed it is, and I'm not going to get into all that. But the point remains is I don't think the committee will just – will put Cincinnati and BYU, a team like them, in until they have a significant strength to schedule. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. Sam, it's kind of a a sad day because today is the last day that we've had a a football game every day since November 4th. Mm -hmm. So we, we got nearly 20 days, or we have gone 20 days with a football game every single day. And today's the last day. We have Monday Night Football tonight and then no midweek action on Tuesday. We don't play again until Thanksgiving. So it's kind of a kind of a sad day. It is a sad day, but this might be a nice transition. But we do have basketball coming back. That's the, it's a perfect segue, Sam. I was just about to mention that. We do have college basketball starting this week. It's going to be exciting, Sam. I'm really excited for this college basketball season. It kind of seems like it's just snuck up on us. Like they mm-hmm. delayed the season a little bit due to COVID-19 and everything. Um but it's sneaking up on us. Wednesday is the day uh, every team in Indiana in Division One plays on uh, either Wednesday or Saturday. It's going to be a good time. I'm excited for college basketball this season. Yeah, they didn't do I, – I don't think I saw a whole lot of press on the start of the basketball season except your, your normal preseason top 25s and all that, the normal stuff they do, preseason award watch lists and whatnot. But other than that, it, has been, it hasn't been too highly publicized. I'm looking – I'm kind of curious to see who's – usually they start out games with some like Duke versus North Carolinas or some Michigan States versus UCLA, some big names. I'm kind of curious with this kind of COVID stuff. I know t- IU plays Tennessee Tech, Liberty plays Purdue. But beyond that, I'm curious to see kind of who the big names play in college basketball. Yeah, there is a – Gonzaga, I believe, plays Kansas, if memory serves. Um coming up at the end of the week, I believe. I'm trying to find it. So basically every team plays um, on Wednesday. Yeah, IU will play Tennessee Tech. Um, Baylor coming in at no, the number two teams. Um, that's that's an interesting um, 
interesting standings there. But I'm trying to find – I'll get back to you on that, Sam. But uh, when you look at teams around Indiana, Ball State taking on Northern Kentucky, a team that they lost to by four a year ago, Tennessee Tech at IU, Liberty at Purdue, Indiana State at East Carolina. And then on Saturday, Notre Dame takes on Michigan State. That will be a big matchup. Uh, for the Fighting Irish, who kind of had a lackluster season this year, trying to turn it around this year. And Michigan State looking very, very good here at the, uh, before the season started, based on how they left last season. No doubt. And if you look at Notre Dame's schedule to start out this season, it's insane. You go Michigan State, Western Michigan, Ohio State, Kentucky, Duke, Purdue, Syracuse, and Pittsburgh. It's just wild to think how many just big time games Notre Dame's playing to start off the season not to mention their normal conference games like Notre Dame didn't do anything favors for themselves and when you they haven't had that great of a season since those three straight elite eight appearances that's going to be tough for Notre Dame to to accomplish I'm, I'm hoping they can get it done at Michigan State but I'm just not – I haven't been a big believer in Notre Dame basketball in a while. Ever since uh, we we upset them at Notre Dame, I believe it was three, four seasons ago. Are you surprised to not see Indiana in the preseason top 25? I'm not. It's, it's, it's not the fact that they can't get recruits. It's that they always underperform expectations. You have the Romeo Langfords of the examples. You have the uh, – I go back to the Cody Zeller, Victor Oladipo team. They could only reach the Sweet 16 with those teams. So it's not the matter of fact that Indiana can't get the recruits of the Anthony Leals that they got this past weekend. It's what can what can they do with that talent? And so far for the past like 10, 15 years, they haven't been proven to use the recruits that they've been able to land. Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting. It's kind of like R.J. Miller is is kind of on the hot seat, um, uh, you know, this season to see what he can do um, because IU's looking for success. They they need a tournament berth. They need um, a run in the tournament, a Sweet 16 or Elite Eight appearance. Um, I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to be phenomenal this year. I think he's going to have a, a huge breakout year. And I can't wait to see what he does. I think he's going to be big for this team. And like you mentioned, some of those recruits, Anthony Lill, I think will play a big factor as well. I'm kind of, I'm excited for this IU basketball team. There's been a lot of hype around the past couple of seasons, uh, before the season, and then when they get in the season, that hype kind of goes away. But I'm excited for IU uh, for this upcoming season because I really think this could be a breakout season for them. I, I think Trace Jackson Davis is definitely due for a, a big uh a big season, no doubt. But my problem with IU basketball is they never recruit enough outside shooters. That's what hurt them back in the the Sweet 16 days. They couldn't beat a two-three zone because all they had was Jordan Holes chucking up threes, and that's not going to win you enough games. And when you look when you look at IU's roster, they're mostly made up of highly talented guys who play inside, and that's why you struggle at times. That's They, they can create their shots, but it's only mid-range. You need three-pointers in this day and age, and IU just doesn't do a good job of recruiting outside shooters, and that's what hurts you long-term. Because as phenomenal as um, a Finisi is, a, a Trace Jackson Davis is, a Joey Brunk is, if you don't have those outside shooters – you're not going to be able to be successful in this day and age in college basketball. Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. It'll be interesting to watch this this season shake out. I'm definitely excited for it, and we'll, we'll follow it throughout the season. 
uh, and talk about it every week, especially Big Ten basketball, because uh, they do have five teams in the preseason top 25, which is quite impressive for the conference. Let's switch over. Big NFL conversations to get to today. The Colts, a big overtime win. Probably their biggest win of the season, to be quite honest, against the Green Bay Packers in terms of what it does for the Colts in, in terms of playoff picture, uh, divisional standings, and everything. Huge win at OT. Uh, the Colts with an all-around, it was really an all-around team effort, it, it was, to not only come back from 14 down, but to win in overtime. Yeah, I, I think when the Packers went up 28-14, to 14, I thought it was just going to be kind of over, to be frank. I didn't think Phillip Rivers and this Colts team had it in them to beat this Packers team, to be frank, but they did. I'll give, I'll give Phillip Rivers the credit for this game. He definitely showed up. He delivered, but it still doesn't sell me on that. What I do... What I don't like is the fact that we couldn't get Naheem Hines as involved as I'd like. I think he's a definite X factor that we need to get involved more often. We we decided to go with the heavy, uh, the hot-handed Jonathan Taylor moving forward. But I think in order to be successful, we need that weapon. We need that X factor. And with T.Y. just kind of being that kind of decoy at times, we need someone to step up. And I think Hines can be that guy. It's just we got to use him. Yeah, we do. And, and uh, I think Taylor's going to be more of the, the running, power running back. Naeem Hines is going to be more of the catch out of the backfield. I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we kind of figured out how to use him uh, against the Lions, uh, was out of the backfield and into the passing game. So I think that's where you're going to see him a lot. They get the Titans at home this weekend. So the grind, uh, no rest for the wicked. The grind doesn't stop for the Colts. Uh this uh, game could could decide the division. It could not because the Colts do have a win against the Titans. So if you do drop one of the Titans, it doesn't keep you out of the division race, uh, but your, your loss at Jacksonville is starting to, to haunt you a little bit. So a win against the Titans would pretty much uh, win the division for the Colts. Another huge game at Lucas Oil Stadium this weekend. No doubt, and I saw the tiebreaker. The reason the Bills are seated over the Colts is because of the conference record. So that also plays an impact on your conference record, which would then help you even if you um, happen to tie the Bills and the Titans for some reason, get the number one spot, you could still overtake the Bills if that makes sense later on in the, the year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how, it, how it all plays out because I think the, the race – for the um, the race for the AFC playoffs is, is going to be very tight with the Browns winning this weekend. That shakes things up. Uh, the Raiders drops one, but they stay in the playoffs at that seventh wildcard spot. The Ravens fall out of the playoffs at 6-4 and four with a loss to the Titans. The Dolphins are right there at 6-4. and four. A loss this week didn't help them. So there's, uh, there's nine teams um, essentially in the running for this AFC playoffs. Um, uh, you know these AFC playoff spots uh, with the seven that are currently in, and then the Ravens and the Dolphins on the outside looking in. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. We got Steelers Ravens this week on Thursday night, uh, Thanksgiving night, which will uh, really, I think, make or break the Ravens season because if they lose, that drops them to six and five. They're zero and two against the Steelers this season. If the Dolphins could win, that puts them at 7-4, and four, moves them up ahead against the Ravens. The Ravens would have to go on a tear to end the season to even make the playoffs, which is absolutely insane considering what they did last season. Yeah, I think this is just a, a, a season which no one can be really secure in the AFC. From top down, from third to ninth, you're really 
you're really a game within each other. So it, every game matters at this point, no matter whether you're the Bills who have looked phenomenal this season or the the Ravens or the Dolphins. Every game matters, and you can't take any game lightly at this point. It, I wouldn't be surprised if heading into Week 16, Week 17, we have three or four teams fighting for one playoff spot because they're so grouped up together, so bunched up together. So every game matters at this point, no matter whether it's a Jacksonville, a New York game, Jets you have going on, or the Texans or whatnot. Every opponent matters at this point, and this this is getting to a point where it's getting really tough, really exciting, and and I'm here for it. You look over at the NFC side, the Saints at 8-2, Currently leading that conference are seven and one in the NFC. Seahawks in second, the Packers at third. Uh, it seems like the NFC is a little more shaken out and a little more. Um, we kind of know where it's going to go. The Cardinals need to win, and um, the Bears, depending on what they do over these next few weeks, will kind of determine where they go in the playoffs because. If the Cardinals drop another game and the and the Bears win, that, that race for seventh could be there. But right now, the NFC West is currently getting three teams in to the playoffs in the NFC, which would be uh, kind of crazy. We don't normally see that um, out of one division. But, you know, it's a crazy year, and the NFC West has some really good football teams. Yeah, no doubt. And I, w- I wouldn't be necessarily secure if you're the Cardinals. As you mentioned, they're only a game out. But at the same time, with how the Bears have been performing – I just don't see how long-term they can sustain success. They've got a game against the Packers next, Lions, Texans. Even against those teams, I wouldn't be feeling confident if you're the Bears. I would feel more confident in the position the Cardinals is with the weapons they have, the defense they have built. And yes, you're not really secure, but at the same time, I think you, you feel pretty good about your chances if you're the Cardinals to outpace the Bears for that spot. Yeah, you really do. It, you know, and, and that one weapon being Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, having him is just is just a huge X factor that you know any team would take right about now. Uh, Sam, I'm going to tell you about a team that I really like right now. It's the New Orleans Saints. They've been playing really well uh, as of late. Seven straight wins after starting one and two. Um, they've been playing really, really well. And yes, I do have special implications if they were to win at all, but. Um, they're just playing really good football, and they're winning in, in various ways. Uh, Drew Brees goes down against the 49ers. Taysom Hill steps up and beats the Falcons 24-9. to um, and, and Taysom Hill looked really good in his first, you know, really NFL quarterbacking debut. I thought he did uh, really well. If he can hold that and keep that seat warm for Drew Brees while he's out with injury, Drew Brees could return for the playoffs, and, and we could be looking at a first-place New Orleans Saints team because – you look at the rest of their schedule, at Broncos, at Falcons, at Eagles, those are pretty easy um, games as long as you know you don't misstep. Then you're home for the Chiefs, home for the Vikings, at Panthers. So you could essentially win out, maybe not against the Chiefs, but you could essentially only lose one game here down the stretch, um, which would be phenomenal to, to finish 13-3, and three, especially with the circumstances that the Saints have dealt with this season. I really like the New Orleans Saints. Are they the best team in the NFC right now? I don't think so. I, I don't. I don't really know who is. I, I want to say the Packers, but after the loss against the Colts, the Saints could very well be the best team in the NFC. Um, but I think it's a it's a team in the NFC West that's really the the best team in the NFC, despite their struggles. I think that's the Seattle Seahawks. I think they're just having a little mid season slump. They're going to come back better than ever here at the end of the season. 
which kind of scares me since, you know, I'm kind of rooting for the Saints this season. Yeah, I, I, I think the Saints have been really impressive. They just find ways to win. It may not be the prettiest. They've had several close games, whether it's the Chargers, Panthers, Bears, whatnot. But they also have those convincing wins with the Buccaneers. You have the Falcons win, which was pretty secure. And their two losses are against two playoff contending teams in the Raiders and Packers. So if you're the Saints, you have, you have a really good feeling about your team right now. 8-2, and two, sitting at that first spot in the playoffs uh, for the NFC. I, I like this Saints team. I do. I will say one team that really impressed me, and it's not because of this season. It's because of what it can, I think, forecast for the future. And I mentioned as my sleeper team, it's the Denver Broncos. They got a big win against the Dolphins this past week against Tua. They forced Tua, I believe, sacked like eight times or whatnot. And yes, their season hasn't been impressive. Four and six in their losses against the Falcons doesn't look good. Their loss against the um, Raiders uh, by 25 doesn't look good. But that that Dolphins win gives me a glimpse of hope. You stop a team who's been on a roll, five straight wins, six straight wins, whatever it is. And I think that the Broncos moving forward have the pieces to put it together. I'm not saying this season they've got a tough stretch. Saints, Chiefs, Panthers, Bills to the next four games. But you have to feel pretty good about your chances moving forward with the pieces you got. You'll have Cortland Sutton returning next year. You have Von Miller returning next year. I think this Broncos team is in a great spot moving forward. Yeah, but, you know, I... I don't know. I don't know about this team. I, I still feel like they're three or four pieces away from being contenders. I don't think they're going to contend for a playoff spot this year. Yeah, they got a big win against the Dolphins, but um, we knew Tua was going to slip up eventually. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm still not a believer in this Broncos team. I don't think Drew Locke is a very good quarterback. Um, I don't think Vic Fangio is a, is a very good NFL coach. I, I'm, not, I'm not buying into this Broncos team just quite yet based on one win. Yeah, I, I think Drew Locke has shown his tendency to be a little bit, uh, he's a little bit, he need, he needs work on it. It's no secret about it, the amount of turnovers they have. They entered uh, Sunday's game with a league-high 21 turnover. You definitely can't have that moving forward. I think it's just Drew Locke getting into his fold. He had that amazing uh, first uh, year to start. But losing two, losing by two points against the Titans at the start of the season, losing by five to the Steelers gives me hope. Just just this season, I think, gives me a glimmer of hope for the future where, yeah, they're, they're not going to, I don't think they have a chance to really compete for a playoff spot moving forward with their schedule and one on the pieces and continuing to um, stand, to continue to pile turnovers on. But at the same time, I, I'm feeling pretty good. The defense held up, and I think this young core of uh, Melvin Gordon, they still have him for next year. They still got Philip Lindsay. They've got Tim, Tim Patrick. They've still got uh, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy moving for this young team. I think within the next uh, one to two years could definitely prove to be something of a contender moving forward. It'll be interesting to see where they where they shake out. Um, Sam, I, the, we get to the Sunday night game. The Chiefs won barely. Uh, they they won thirty five thirty one against the the Raiders. I think John Gruden's the only one that knows how to figure out Andy Reid. I honestly do. Yeah, they lost, but they, they beat him in Arrowhead, I, and, and they've played him the closest, really, uh, of any team. I think, uh, I think that John Gruden's the only one that, that has the, the formula to beat Andy Reid. 
I th- I think I think he knows how to figure out on defense. I don't think he knows how to figure out Patrick Mahomes yet. He did have that one pick uh, be just before halftime, but that was more of a miscommunication. Mahomes could have thrown it to this side; it would have been a wide open touchdown. The defender fell in. Like that's not the deal. I think Mahomes showed his ability that he could just walk over that defense thirty five points. He did punt a few times, but at the same time, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a monster game. That running attack just seemed to have its way. Travis Kelsey, the the Raiders didn't have an answer for him. Neither did they for Tyree Kill. Now on the on Derek Carr's and Josh Jacobs side of the ball, I do agree with you. They they were phenomenal. I just don't think that they figured out how to stop this Kansas City offense yet. Yeah, um, it's the Kansas City offense is an anomaly. Um, that has really yet to been figured out. Probably one of the best offenses in the league um, and, and playing like it uh, up to this point. Uh, when you look at um, you look at some of the other games, uh, Justin Herbert finally gets it done. It, it feels like it's been forever since he, he last won. Um, he finally gets it done, barely. <laughs> he, he got it done, but it wasn't with some late game um, you know, almost comeback there by the by the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to. You're, you're not exactly going to be happy by it, but you're just trying to compile wins. You're just trying to get experience for Justin Herbert. You're three and seven on the season. You're not really having high playoff aspirations or whatnot. So you're just playing a game in, game out. Herbert still had a phenomenal game, 366 yards, three touchdowns. Like, what more can you say? His connection with Keen Allen is just unbelievable. I think you're just compiling experience for him. Hopefully, you just don't get injuries along the way. But other than that, it's just just a learning process this year for him. It it definitely is. Uh, Sam, we won't have an episode next week, or at the end of this week, I should say, on Friday uh, because of Thanksgiving. We're going to take the rest of the week off for Thanksgiving. But uh, we're going to give you our picks for this week a little early. and when you look at the Thanksgiving Day schedule, it is Lions and um, okay, I'm drawing a blank here, Sam. The Lions play the um, uh, Texans. Texans on Thanksgiving Day. That's the first game. Um, and then when you look the rest of the games, you have the Washington Football Team and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and then you have the Ravens Steelers, which will probably be the best game of the day. Um, coming up at the nightcap. So we're going to give you our picks. We're going to pick one Thanksgiving Day game, and then we're going to pick one just uh, normal NFL Sunday game. Sam, I'll let you go first. We're tied at 12-10 and 10 overall in the records. We both went 1-1 one one this week, so we're still making money. But um, who, who are you taking this week in our pick'em? Uh, I'm going to start with the one non-Thursday night game, or one Thanksgiving uh, night game. I'm going to go with the Cardinals minus 2.5 at the Patriots. I think it's simple. Patriots this past week just proved that they're just not that great. Cam Newton was all about, hey, we're better than our record was. Are you really, though? Four and six, you lost to the Texans. You should have gotten the win there if you were really anything to kind of um, any type of contender team. You should have gotten the job done. You didn't. I think the Cardinals are one of the best teams in the NFC despite their Despite their six and four record, again they need, as we talked about earlier, they need a win to keep ahead of the Bears. A nice win against the Patriots. I think 
the Patriots offense just needs to figure it out. They just really haven't molding uh, Josh McDaniel's system to Cam Newton hasn't really worked out like they hope. So hopefully I, I think that the Cardinals can get it done with more than um, two and a half points. Uh, yeah, it, it's a must win, you know, like you said, for the Cardinals uh, in playoff implications. Uh, it'll be uh, interesting to watch that game. I'll go ahead and give my non-Sunday pick, or non-Thanksgiving Day pick, then we'll, we'll come back and give our Thanksgiving Day picks. Um, I'm going to go with Bills. Uh, they're getting, uh, they're, they're laying minus five and a half against the Chargers. Coming off a bye, it's really a must win. It's a home game needed for AFC playoff implications. It's a really easy pick for me. I think the Bills are better than the Chargers by a touchdown uh, in this one. I, I do agree with you. I think the Bills are better than the Chargers. I don't think there's any denying that. 7-3, and 3-7, three, three and seven, the record is said. I just think that the Chargers really, the one downside is they play everybody close. Whether it's the Panthers, the Chiefs, they only lost by three. The Saints, they lost by three. They beat the Jaguars by ten, lost to the Buccaneers by one, Raiders by five. So when you look at this team, it's not a matter of fact, I think the Bills can't get it done. It's just by how much and that kind of scares me, that five-and-a-half point line, which the Vikings couldn't even cover seven versus the Cowboys. Yeah, that that, that is scary a little bit uh, that the Chargers have played in so many one-close games. They remind me of the 2017 and the 2019 Colts where both teams had six losses in one-score games and 11 total one-score games. So that scares me a little bit about that pick, but I think the Bills will roll here against the Chargers. Uh, Sam, who are you taking for your Thanksgiving Day pick them? I'm going to do what you did, I think, like two, three weeks ago. I'm going to do the over Lions, Texans, over 50 and a half. You got Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford. I think Kenny Galladay hopefully should be back for this game. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. We know, we all know Matthew Stafford, how good he is on Thursday night. Hopefully it can live up to the hype. Hopefully it can be better than both the records show. I think over 50 and a half is a good shout. They can at least score 26 each. That it should be no problem. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, no team has a defense, and I think offense will be – it'll be all offense in, in that game. Uh, I think it's a very good pick. Um, they're getting the over for the Lions-Texans game. My pick is also in the Lions-Texans game, but I'm taking the Lions. Uh, they're getting two and a half. They're at home. They're the underdog. I like them. Uh, they've lost their last two Thanksgiving Day games, uh, and their last four have been one-score games. I think that the Lions can get it done or at least only lose by two. Um, you, you know, when you look uh, at, at their opponent in the Texans, they haven't been very good this season. The Lions are desperate for a win. Um, they got blown out by the Panthers last week. I'm taking the home dog in the Lions plus two and a half against the Texans. That's going to be a risky pick. I was watching this Lions game, and without uh, hopefully Kenny Galladay can play. He's been out the past few weeks. I think that's definitely a difference maker. If he doesn't, putting up zero, I get I get the Panthers' defense is somewhat solid this season, but a zero with Matthew Stafford at your quarterback is just unacceptable. Panthers were playing with P.J. Walker. You shouldn't have lost by 20. That's, that's, that's a little bit of a rough one, considering the Texans just beat a uh, – a, I, I don't know what to call it, the Patriots, I guess, formidable opponent in the Patriots. I don't know. But I that's that's a little bit sketchy to me. Hopefully they can get it done. But I think it comes down to whether Kenny Galladay plays and can click this offense back into shape. Yeah, it'll be interesting um, to, to see where this offense goes. And the Lions have a losing record on Thanksgiving, so that doesn't really help my case either. But uh, it'll be interesting to, to see – 
this Thanksgiving Day game, you know, the Lions are always a good team to root for on Thanksgiving. They always play on Thanksgiving. They have since 1929. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Lions. It might not be the, the most logical pick, but, hey, you know, we'll, we'll, see if we, we'll see if we can get it done. Yeah. All right, Sam, have a good Thanksgiving. Again, no podcast on Friday. We'll be back uh, in a week with, with some more Monday Mayhem and, and break it all down. Over the weekend at Thanksgiving, uh, college basketball, college football, and the NFL to talk about on Monday. We'll see you later, Sam. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Straight Up Sports Talk on Twitter, for all the latest podcasts and updates about the show. Uh, You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you on Monday.